Hello and welcome back to The Rewind. I'm Josh and this is a podcast where I watch a bunch of movies and talk about them with my friends. Today's episode is on The Flash. Joining me, he just exited Speed Force. It's Daniel Lima. Daniel, what's going on? Oh, it's a pleasure. It's a pleasure to be here. Uh, it was hell in the Speed Force and uh, <laughs> you know I'm glad to be out of it. Been a while since you've uh, been on for a uh, DC movie, I believe. I, think I don't think I ever have. I think you joined us for 2019's uh, Harley Quinn, right? Uh, oh my God! Yeah, blast from the past. Wait, no, yeah. that actually, I think that was 2020. Actually, yeah, that, that was, was like right was before, like, was, right yeah. before COVID, and uh, right around the time the Flash started shooting. That are we sure the Flash didn't start like before in 2019 shooting? Uh, let's see. <laughs> hold on, let me go back to the product, the production, the filming part. No, no. Oh wait, it says principal photography began on. April 19th, 2021. I do not believe that for a fucking second, uh, but we'll, <laughs> we'll get to that. But funny, the uh, Harley Quinn, Birds of Prey, uh, written by Christina Hodson. The, screen, the sole screenplay credit on The Flash 2023, Christina Hodson. But that movie, shoot, we would be here till for three hours if I tried to go through all the pre-production of this movie. Let's just say that the uh, it was ultimately directed by Andy Muschietti, who people know from the It movies. And uh, after going through about like more directors than you guys can probably count on one hand, possibly two, a bunch of different screenwriters, uh, John Francis Daly and Jonathan Goldstein have story credits. They were one of those prior pair of directors, so must have stayed pretty similar to or somewhat similar to whatever they had done for that to happen, I guess. Uh, they, 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 they had, a, they had a much better year than the people making this. Cause they did, uh, you know, they, they did the, uh, Dungeons and Dragons movie, but, uh, ultimately this version of the movie got to, got to, got to the screen. It took a long time because of all these different pre-production creative differences issues and a lot of, uh, off-screen COVID. issues from co- COVID was part of it, I guess, even though apparently pre-production, apparently, apparently principal photography started in uh, in April 2021, so honestly, that shouldn't mean COVID did anything. But I'm uh, sure, but yeah. Pre pre production pre production did start like early 2020, I think. Uh, a lot of issues on top of the fact that star Ezra Miller had has had honestly uh, more uh, more off the screen issues than I care to recount. Uh, let's just say that turned into a supervillain. Basically, uh, kidnapping well, babies and <laughs> assaulting people and the whole nine. We can talk about how that affected our viewing of the movie, if at all. But the fact is, it, it was just one of many factors that led this to be an incredibly troubled production that eventually like, was able to make it to the screen. But it, it was just so, so much went into that. But uh, again, I'm not going to really recount that that much. I'm just going to and I'm going to say the, the, the I'm, and, I, and also not really not going to do much of a spot synopsis because Daniel doesn't like when I do that a long way. And if I started trying to do that, I would just get lost because honestly, movie's kind of a little bit of a mess. So uh, I'll just I'll just say that it, 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 we, we, we kind of start out with like, thankfully, it's not an origin story movie, at least, you know, I, I don't know if I could have taken that on top of everything else, because we've already seen this version of The Flash in some of these other movies like, you know, Justice League part one, two and uh, popping up here and there and post credit sequences. So we already know who Barry is. We don't have to see him exactly get his powers that we kind of do again in this movie anyway. Yeah. Uh, but he, he he's already doing flash things at the beginning and he's like, you know, working with the Justice League and whatever version of it is still around here, including Ben Affleck's Batman, uh, Gal Gadot's Wonder Woman for, and, for, for like a second. Yeah, I know. She's just popping up and stuff and as her last hurrah before she, James Gunn <laughs> kicks her out for good. Um, but uh, Barry is gets assigned uh, saving uh, babies from a hospital and honestly a scene that 
honestly, I wish the rest of the movie was like that scene, but we'll, we'll talk about that in a second. But uh, he, he thinks that that's not good enough, a good use of his talent, saving babies for some reason, while uh, Batman is doing some other task that might have more worldwide implications. I really don't, couldn't tell you what it was if you put a gun to my head and I saw this movie two days ago. Uh, but th- that's what that is. And, uh, it just kind of in the aftermath of like, you know, reconvening with Bruce, he, you know, he, he goes back and looks at his childhood home, ends up uh, zooming around cause he gets emotional, figured out you can travel in time. And then, you know, even though it, he warns, he's warned against it, decides, Oh, I'm going to go back, try and save my mom from dying. Cause his dad went to prison for being wrongfully accused of killing his mom. Uh, and in doing so, uh, Barry ends up in an older version where he comes into contact with this 2020, 2013 version. They have to work together to solve the problems. Uh, that's all. I'm, I'm stopping. Daniel, again, been over three years since we talked about DC. Uh, we, 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 you've, you've been for here for Marvel stuff here and there, including Multiverse of Madness, which, you know, has its own, you know, multiversal component like this movie. But I don't remember if we really talked that much on that podcast about like just what your feeling is about all this multiverse stuff. If you're getting fatigued from it, as it seems like a lot of people are. And because I know you just didn't really like The Flash. So I'm wondering, uh, are your issues with The Flash more related to storytelling, to the acting, to the uh, to the to the filmmaking, or is your answer to that question just yes? Yes, 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 <laughs> all, yes, 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 a thousand times yes. Uh, this movie was so bad that I mean I can't even be mad at it. I just was depressed <laughs> leaving the theater. I was just super sad. Let me let me stop right there because as some listeners might know. You may or may not have a contrarian streak in you. I could have seen you coming out of this wanting to figure out a way to like it. Did you try to find, did you really give it a chance? Did you try to find some way to like it? And it just, you just couldn't get there. Well, I don't know. The writing was on the wall. Mm. Like, like you said, like the, you know, we don't have to go rehash the entire production history of the flash, mm-hmm. but the fact remains that it's a movie that has, you know, there's been a high turnover in directors. There's been a high turnover with the studio making it. This movie has survived three different regimes at at Warner Brothers and DC. And uh, like by the end of it, like after this troubled history and all, it, it, it begs the same question that we asked when we uh, when we were talking about um, uh, Black Panther 2. Why does this movie exist? Like, what is the animating force behind this movie? And the fact is, it's it's here because it has to be because the wheels were in motion. Uh, yeah. They couldn't be stopped. Uh, this movie, it, it's funny because like, the, you know, the movie is supposed to be like a kind of it was intended to be a kind of relaunching of the DCEU. Originally, right, that's your, I that's think. the answer to your question. It was conceived of at a point before they realized they were just going to have to scrap what they were doing. And they had put so much into it because it was going to be like a fulcrum for it. And then they're like, well, fuck it. Let's just bring in James Gunn and scrap everything. But we just already have so much money sunk into this. We may as well do it, you know? Exactly. And so like the end result is that this is a part of a project that the intent is like, well, see what we're building. But like <laughs> we, everyone going to see this, everyone who would have been invested in this movie knows that this is leading nowhere. So it's just, a, it's a relic before it even, you know, hit the screen. Yeah, it feels like nothing. It it is nothing. I was watching the movie thinking, damn, how are we going to talk about this with Jernavoy? Because there's nothing here to discuss. Well, and I I think there is, I think there is on, upon reflection, but it really is just a soulless machine that it's like it's it's it, it is the death of culture. So is there a version do you, is it just so bad? That it's just there's beyond anything. There's like just nothing redeeming about it for you. Is there, are there even any kernels in there where it's like, oh, I see a movie I could have liked? Um, no, uh, no. Because I because uh, well, I have a different answer to that question, but I'm but continue. Well, you mentioned that first opening set piece. Um, I had a good and, time with it. Not gonna lie. 
uh, I can't say the same, okay. uh, which I mean, right off the bat, the movie is supposed to be like a spectacle superhero movie. Right. So, I mean, it looks like ass. I mean, and I'm not somebody who really cares about visual stuff, you know, but like, I mean, it looks like a PlayStation game because the the, the nature of the flash is that, you know, he's really fast. And uh, he can slow down time. Like it looks like a trickle when he goes in super speed. So there's no actual, there's no danger to anything that he's doing. I'll admit that I did chuckle a little bit at the image of a bunch of babies falling through the air. Um, yeah, but it was, it was, it was, it was hilarious to me. Yeah, like the, uh, that, not, not, not even so much that, the, that it was happening, but that they did it. I was like, yeah, this is no, I agree. For funny. a moment, I was like, oh, that's funny. But then, you know, he just slows down time and then he just fucking leaps through the air and like saves them all because so you, that's what so you, he does. So you, and, so you wanted some dead babies. That's what you're saying. Um, you know, maybe not necessarily, <laughs> but like, I don't know. Uh, and I think it, this is runs through the, I mean, there's not even a lot of action here, but like it runs through most of the spectacle, like the idea for these sorts of movies, these big universe hopping multiverse things is that like, if, if anything, if, at the very least you're expecting to have some sort of like, I don't know, creativity some kind of shenanigans like time travel and uh multiverses these have existed in fiction for you know like a century like you know hg wells wrote the time machine in what 1902 uh you know the superhero multiverse has existed since i think the 80s with dc's crisis on infinite earths flashpoint was in 2013 and these sorts of devices have been used traditionally to explore things and ideas that you couldn't through like a more grounded narrative, right? Why shouldn't you go back into the past? What could that possibly, what are the implications of something like that? And, you know, with the multiverses in DC comics and comic books, like it's been avenues to explore new worlds and to tell the same stories in new ways and, you know, kind of push boundaries. And then with something like The Flash, it is so condensed. It is so because they're only drawing from like maybe seven movies that most people don't really like to begin with. Um, and, you know, they're trying to expand out, incorporate all the different IPs that this studio has and trot these out. But the fact is the Im- imagination is so limited that it, it can only be these things. It can only be look at these things that we own. There's nothing to build upon here. There's nothing new there's no new ideas being explored and it just it's so hollow and that cuts and to go back that cuts back into the action the action just feels like nothing except i uh, i'll say for the action i enjoyed the babies flying through the sky glad they, <laughs> i unlike daniel i'm glad they made it, I, I unlike daniel i'm glad they made it out alive uh, <laughs> but, but i i hear what you're saying though because like you know even if you might enjoy like mcu movies up until endgame to varying degrees at least like at least there was a plan that was stuck to so it's you know just every single and even if you don't like the end of Avengers Infinity War like I don't uh you know at least it's like you 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 get why there are you get the stakes that you have history with these people and you've built towards something and they 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 stayed the track and so there's going to be payoff to that at some point whereas here this this whole thing is for DC has been going on for the starts of these technically the start of these movies were like what in 2013 with man of steel or whatever it's just and they meant for the flash to come out way sooner but it's just it's been going on this whole dceu has been going on for about as long as uh the mcu had when endgame came out 
and just as long as when Infinity War came out, but like with a fraction of the movies and like an even smaller fraction of character development along the way. Something like this is supposed to be able to build on this when you're pulling different people in from different worlds. And it's like they didn't have they didn't have the bench to do it. So it's like, all right, let's go grab Michael Keaton. And, uh, and, and so they're just doing that. It's like, okay, fine. Like people are going to like seeing Michael Keaton, but like still overall, you're trying to build towards something that no one's going to give a shit about because you've done such a bad job with most of the movies that have come before it. And honestly, even some of the more successful ones, like that, honestly, the, the best movies of this kind of regime of theirs, like aren't referenced at all in this movie. It's like, this is more very much focused on like the wonder woman batman superman corner of this world and there never even was a solo batman movie in this whole thing anyway but they're still using <laughs> batman so I, I, I in my opinion like the best movies that they've done are the first shazam aquaman and birds of prey probably and yeah. it's and, and, and just the the, the the those characters mean absolutely nothing in this movie so it's just the, the the ones that they've gotten right like this we're not part of this equation so the equation is just incredibly incredibly empty with very little uh with us having very little invested in it and i think that's the problem you're dealing with before you even get to the micro of this movie yeah no like there's no emotional attachment to any of these characters like yeah you mentioned that we've seen the flash before so we don't need an origin the thing is we saw the flash in like justice league a movie that was bad you know ezra miller was bad in that movie like the worst part arguably and uh yeah, I mean, how familiar, I remember, I, and I honestly don't remember him be, being bothered by him as much there as I was here. But I'll get to that. The um, like, uh, but by by them, I'm sorry. Um, yeah, no worries, no worries. It's confusing because uh, the character is Barry Allen is identifies as male, and uh, and Ezra Miller is non-binary. But I'm trying to do my best. So, so yeah, no Barry Allen. I feel like even though the Flash has existed in the popular consciousness for decades, like. I don't know. How much do you know about Barry Allen? I know a bit because I've seen the Flash TV show, but I feel like most people don't. So like writing on that iconography isn't going to do much. People don't know this. And certainly they don't know this Flash. Right. Um, And then you've got, you know, you're pulling in Michael Keaton. You know, remember Michael Keaton? Remember how good those movies were from like 30 years ago? Remember how they existed in their own time and place? And they were, you know, kind of like the result of this like artist you know creating this wholly unique world this reflection of his vision of these stories well we're gonna fucking we're gonna fucking pluck him out of that and we're gonna stick him in this fucking plasticine garbage recreation that that fucking i mean look those movies were also like you know multimedia like extravaganzas that were meant to sell toys and shit but like there was something there and here it's just another thing to trot out and not only that but you have no emotional connection to that this iteration of the character you know he's never met you know ezra miller before you know uh and then you've got fucking supergirl who you've never met and is dead within like five scenes uh and you know we're supposed to feel something for these two characters but we don't because they they mean nothing within the context of this movie in this world because nothing means anything within this movie in this world it's all bullshit <laughs> it's all just plastic fucking like non-entities colliding with each other and being trotted out you know it's terrible until like i went to prepare for this this afternoon i totally forgot about her and bruce dying in the movie like I, I just, I just <laughs> forgot that I, for, I forgot that was a thing that happened because technically like just, they didn't because you know you're watching this and you're thinking oh well I mean like that's that's some other version of them and they'll be back by the end of the movie so it probably like that's the problem with the multiverse stuff man is that like you, you never know what means anything well you know you've said this multiple times and I've always kind of pushed back against it because the fact is I don't think that having a multiverse necessarily 
is inherently bad. The comics have had a multiverse since the 80s, you know, and they've managed to tell really compelling, beautiful stories, you know. But the difference is that in those in the comics, and this has been changing as, you know, we've gotten as the comics have inched closer to reflecting the movies, which, you know, deadening of culture, like I said. But it used to be that these sort of multiverse concept was used so that they could tell new stories. You know, you could tell a story where like, I don't know, uh, the ultimate Marvel universe that, you know, Miles Morales was born out of. That was, you know, intended to be like a rebirth, a reimagining of Marvel within the context of like the 20 to the 2000s and like Bush era politics and this and that, you know, uh, Crisis on Infinite Worlds originally created like Earth 1 and Earth 2 within the DC universe so that you could tell concurring stories using different iterations of the characters that have already existed, right? It was an avenue to tell new exciting stories, you know? Here, because it's so recursive within these, I mean, even the what if in uh, the, the Marvel TV show, it's like it can only reference the stuff that was, you know, brought up in the show. That's the limitations of the imagination because you, God forbid that you use it to build something new. No, you have to reflect the things that people are familiar with, regardless of how actually familiar with them they are. No, I agree. I agree with you. Like as far as them needing to do something different, I, I, I you haven't heard the Spider-Verse podcast yet because I, I'm still editing it and I don't do letterbox reviews in a, in, in a timely fashion anymore, but like, I liked the movie. And part of the reason I liked it was because I thought it leaned into the multiverse in an interesting way with like how it, this like how it actually like, like just kind of head on, like attack the questions of like the consequences of it within that universe or universes for, if that makes sense, as opposed to just being like, Oh, someone wants to go change something and save someone and fix something. And it has an, and it, and it has aftershocks into other universes. Like, I just feel like, I, I just feel like it like leaned into like what it meant more in a way that I think you're kind of saying you, you would have rather this movie answered interesting questions. I thought, I thought across the spider verse did that. Whereas this, it just, it just felt like a kind of rehash of everything. And at the same time, it just feels like it's there to be a convenient out. If someone needs to die that you don't really want to die. So I, and I, I'm just, I'm never going to stop feeling that way about the multiverse stuff. I did. I really just, I think it robs it of stakes, but I think across the spider versus hopped over that problem in its own really creatively interesting way. Whereas here it's just like even a, a, a seemingly major character's death. This doesn't even register me. Cause I just assume it's not real. And right. And I, I, you know, I'm not a huge fan of the second spider verse movie. I know. Um, and I don't, I don't, I think people are giving it a little too much credit in how it addresses the multiverse. I, because mm. it's half a movie, like who knows where they're going to go with it. Sure. But I think that there is still like a, a genesis of an idea there where, like, you know, they're attacking, well, we assume that there are these hallmarks in these stories and the stories that we tell that they just need to be a certain way. And that film, at the very least, raises the question does it actually have to be this way? Do these characters need to be interpreted in this limited sort of fashion, you know? And, you know, I mean, it doesn't fully answer the question. I don't know. I, I, I see a world where it doesn't have a satisfactory answer, like in the next one. But at least it raises the question. This movie is from the jump just arguing, no. <laughs> no, you can't mess with this stuff, right. you know? No, it's bad to mess with this stuff. This stuff. It, we own this WB. We own this. And uh, this is what we have. This is what you can play with. And this is the limitations of, of trying to like, you know, uh, go any further, like go any further. The universe fucking breaks. We can't have that. We can't be creative. We can't have fun. Which, I mean, I should also point out that as much as I'm talking about the multiverse stuff, most of the movie is pretty fucking 
dull to be like from it, it's mostly just shtick. so there are two ezra millers like one is like the coded as like the serious one who's experienced trauma and the other one you know he, he's an arrested development he's like a kid who like you know never really had to grow up he's had its two loving parents and all and uh they're both super annoying. <laughs> like imagine that annoying character that you met in justice league. Right now, imagine that character just as annoying, but there's also a younger version that literally just acts like a cartoon of a child. And that is what you're having to deal with for most of the movie. One of them doesn't even have his superpowers. So like, it's not like you even get a bunch of flash action. Mm-hmm. No, most of the movie is just people in rooms speaking exposition to each other and pulling out fucking spaghetti to explain fucking multiverse theory like it's it's so like what is what are you doing what are you doing this is a comic book movie and here i am just just you're just reiterating shit that like we all kind of have grown familiar with yeah i don't know i i i I honestly do think keaton kind of gets out of this kind of unscathed like i think he does what he's asked to do fine even if you think the spaghetti stuff is weird like i didn't mind him being there i i I just kind of felt bad for him that like look you're you're revisiting a character that means a lot to you you should be able to do it in service of like a better movie kind of like the kind of like the spider-man guys did even if i didn't like no way home as much as most people like i don't think that was really embarrassing for any of them i feel kind of like embarrassed that for michael keaton that he has to associate with this movie (laughs) Uh, anyway. I, I I feel embarrassed for the people in Spider-Verse. Uh, I mean, the the in, uh, No Way Home. Um, but yeah, no, Keaton, you know, he's, God bless him. You know, he's doing what he's supposed to. Uh, I mean, he's barely in it, truthfully. Like most of the advertising just shows you every scene that he's in. And then, you know, half of that is just, it's not even, I listened to a podcast where they call it, it's, it's not Keaton, it's like a CGI creature. And, um, and it's so hard to keep anything a secret these days. I feel like it would have been a lot cooler if he had just popped up and no one knew it was coming. I don't know if that would have ever been possible, but oh, it's yeah, funny but that- they, how do you sell the, how do you sell the movie? Hey, well, you remember that, you know that, you know that person going on a crime spree? There's two of them in this one. Well, the movie didn't make any fucking money anyway, so they didn't accomplish anything. So, <laughs> no, no, it did not. Um, so maybe it makes even less if they don't know about the Michael Keaton thing going in. I don't know. Uh, but it, yeah, it, it didn't. It didn't really. Uh, didn't really get them anywhere. Um, let me ask you: uh, Is was there any point of this movie at which you laughed? Because it intermittently tries to be funny, and then it intermittently then goes back to like being the same old DC stuff. Did you like the funny stuff at all? No, it's just yeah. another. It's just more the well that just happened. Uh, uh, uh. Whoa, he's right behind me, isn't he? It's that kind of bullshit. Like we've seen it before. It's like sub. Look, Joss Whedon. I grew up watching Joss Whedon stuff, but good. God, that man is, you know, I mean, besides being an awful person, also, I think, has contributed more than anyone else to, like, this awful sort of postmodern fucking mush that we're all having to fucking sit through. I feel like I laughed after the baby scene, which, again, wasn't because it was more that they went there with it than that they actually made me laugh just from the script itself um that I, I that i kind of appreciate i can't remember like specifically laughing at anything else after even if it feels like it tries to do that with the 2013 barry on on a few different occasions and deeply laughs. unfunny yeah deeply not, unfunny not a ton going on there i mean they, they had the whole thing with like his his roommates were kind of like in that universe were kind of like the co-workers in the uh in the in the current timeline has the girl from dairy girls there who i genuinely love in that show gives her nothing to do uh and i i don't know it just seemed like by the way, that scene that scene really fucking annoyed me because I mean, look, I don't I, I hate that I'm taking this kind of seriously, but so like in that scene, he like is like, we're gonna go 
I'm going to go get the Justice League together. And so he fucking Googles them, right? And that's when he realizes that like, oh, there's no Justice League. And then there's this whole riff about like, oh, well, Back to the Future stars not, um, it doesn't star, um, what's his name? Michael stars, J. Fox in this Eric one. Stoltz, it like stars, it was originally, yeah. Oh, I didn't, I see, I didn't know that in joke. And then they start listing off other movies and no, they, it's they, all they, like supposed to, but like. That's basically, they actually started filming Back to the Future with Eric Stoltz and then like kicked them off and brought in Michael J. Fox, who they'd originally wanted. But like, it goes on for like a full minute of them arguing about whether or not the thing is. And I'm like, the guy was just using Google. Like he nah. could just, he could, I mean, he could just Google it. And like all the things that they're talking about, he could Google like any of, and like, I don't know. I'm not saying it sounds like a dumb complaint, but my point here is that it's not funny. Right. And this is supposed to be a moment where like, he's realizing that what he thought was a small act actually had wider implications, you know, and it could be an, it should be an important moment for that character. Uh, but it's not, and it's played for laughs, and like it doesn't even make sense within the confines of the world that it's building because the fucker was just using Google. Why wouldn't he just Google it? Like mm. instead of arguing about like whether or not Eric Stoltz was in fucking Back to the Future, it makes no fucking sense. And again, I know how silly it is to complain about this in the context of the wider thing, but it just shows that even on like the most granular level, this is all so fucking messy and stupid. All right. So I want to say also that uh, people were, you know, WB really was throwing around a lot of money, getting people like Tom Cruise and Stephen King to like say, oh, this movie is actually really good. Um, How does that work? Do you think think they're actually just literally giving Tom Cruise cash? I don't. Do you think think, think he's like friends with one of the producers and he's like doing them a solid? I don't know. I, 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 I mean, if they gave me. Two hundred, you know, fifty thousand dollars to say the Flash is good. Truthfully, I've got enough morals that I would not do it. I mean, I mean, there's there's a limit. Okay. There's a limit to how okay. much. You, yeah, no, I've got too much integrity to do that. This everyone who did should be ashamed of themselves. <laughs> I will. I, I'll let it be known now. Even though I hold myself out as someone whose opinions people should care about, and have put out over three hundred episodes of, of this podcast and over one hundred fifty episodes of another over the last eight years. I will accept two hundred fifty thousand dollars to say the Flash is good. I will, I, I will fall on that sword if they need me to. The rewind sponsored by Warner Brothers, but Hell, fuck uh, yes, please. <laughs> but people were saying that, like, Ezra. I mean, well, people, the production designer apparently remember that interview. Like, people will forgive Ezra Miller for the crimes that they've committed because of how good they are in this movie. Look, well, I mean, no, but you know who I do oh. want to forgive right now? Who's that? Zack Snyder. Because we get a rehashing of like, you know, General Zod from Man of Steel, right? I've heard a lot of people joke about it. Do you think Michael Michael Shannon over under two days on set? <laughs> What's he ever? Uh, maybe <laughs> they, not. Yeah, maybe, I don't know. Maybe they just got a scan of his face <laughs> and just put it on a CG model. I don't know. Yeah. But so like there's a, you know, the big battle scene at the end where it takes place on like a flat plane and it's just a bunch of weightless cartoons smashing into each other. It looks awful. It really does look like a video game cutscene. at where they, where, where is that supposed to be happening? You know, it's just like some empty fucking field just, yeah, somewhere. Yeah, the desert or like, something. This whole thing is like Metropolis. We keep getting all these references to Metropolis and Gotham. It's like, but now Zod conveniently is in the desert. Yeah, just com- completely removed from any real setting. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I think back to Man of Steel, and I think that movie had its problems. And I wasn't a huge fan of the time, and I certainly wasn't a fan of Justice League or 
uh, Batman versus Superman. Did you but, ever watch the Snyder Cut? Uh, look, four hours of Zack Snyder. No, thank you. I've heard that people say that. It's well, now better. you're a Zack Snyder fan, apparently. So maybe you need you to look, watch You know what? Maybe <laughs> genuinely, maybe. Because look, as much as I have a problem with like Zack Snyder's visual style and the themes that he tackles and the noxious messaging and all that, like, I don't know, when somebody punches someone else, it feels like somebody's getting punched. When buildings are falling and people are dying, it feels like there's some kind of devastation going what on. What Daniel or is least... saying is that he wanted to watch The Flash in slow-mo. Oh, man, that's, that prospect. I mean, there's already too much of that in here to begin with, but there's an attempt to like give some level of import to like what's going on on screen. And I missed that terribly watching this facsimile of like humanity and culture play out in front of my eyes. So you appreciate Zack Snyder trying to like make it feel weighty, even if like he wasn't, he didn't do a great job of it. Yeah. I appreciate him trying to do something. <laughs> like I appreciate that. Have saying like, Hey, you know, what would be cool. Like it, just that level. I don't think is, I think even that thought is missing through most and you know, all of the flash. I'll say all of the flash. Well, so it's funny you say that. Like, I mean, cause my, my thought was like, I want a less serious version of this whole thing. As I was going through the, uh, th- through the pre-production, the, tw- the 20 page version of the pre-production on Wikipedia, in January 2018, uh, John Francis Daly and Jonathan Goldstein uh, kind of entered negotiations to write and direct the film. Again, those are the guys that did Game Night and then did uh, Dungeons and Dragons. I think those guys are very, and they wrote Spider-Man Homecoming, I believe. Like they're very talented and I'm like very happy about it. And then t- two sentences later in that paragraph, it says, uh, the Flash was aiming for a 2020, 2021 release at this point. In mid-March 2019, Ezra Miller was revealed to be writing a new version of the film script with comic book writer Grant Morrison. That's a guy a lot of people respect. They disagreed with the lighthearted approach to the film that Daly and Goldstein were taking, though that was Warner Brothers' preferred direction. And I'm just like, those guys are really good filmmakers, and it seems like they chuck something out of there, and I would have much preferred the irreverent version of this movie. And which I, 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 I'm not saying they were responsible for that first scene, but like I wanted, to, I wanted more of that energy, and there's maybe a version of this movie I can get behind that has that, and this just doesn't. And you also made the point earlier about like you watch some of the stuff growing up, I feel like I watched some of the animated Justice League stuff growing up. I couldn't tell you when or where I watched it or maybe just Cartoon Network stuff, you know? And I remember really liking The Flash as a character in that stuff. So it's like, I, I, I not that I had some long relationship with him. And this kind of goes to Ezra's performance too, but like, I don't really know what I was supposed to be getting. Though like, I just remember really liking him. And I don't, not that I remember him being funny or anything like that, but just trying to think of the versions of this I could have liked. I could have liked one, just a funnier version overall to a version that had like a better performance than whatever Ezra was doing. Sorry, I say all that to say, I don't remember what I liked about that character and what I knew about him aside from what I watched in animated shows up until Ezra popped up in him, started popping up as him in these movies. But my thought as I was watching this is, is Barry Allen supposed to be on the spectrum? And I don't know, but it felt like Ezra was making like a lot of choices to play things like even more twitchy than his normal, than he, than, than they normally are on screen. And I just, I just couldn't get behind it, man. I just had a lot of trouble like trying to like spend time with Barry when he was trying to be funny and then like not enjoying that and then jumping back to the dark stuff when I was just like, I just wanted a good version of the funny stuff. You've, you've made a couple of allusions to it as well. It seems like Ezra is someone with with a lot of acting chops, I think, in some certain things. And that's why I like he, we need to talk about Kevin. That's why they got as far. I've actually never seen that. I kind of want to. Uh, good one. They were in uh, Perks of Being a Wallflower. They were in. I remember liking them in that, but it's been a minute. Yeah, been a minute since I saw that. They were in Trainwreck, uh, which is a pure funny thing. Uh, and just, it's like, I, I know they have more to give 
And I just don't think if they were choices that they were making here, it was direction they were taking here. I, it just, I could not stand to be just hanging out with Barry. And that's a problem given that there are two of him in this movie. Uh, <laughs> was, were there any parts of this performance that you appreciated from Ezra or why did you struggle with them? Because for me, it just felt like Ezra was making a choice to just be a very particular kind of way. And it just didn't jive. I'm like, what, what, what is supposed to be appealing about this person? Especially at like at the end when Iris West is like asking him out on a date and it's like, what, what one redeeming what makes you, what showed? makes you interested in this person at like, all? Like if, 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 they the had one, if they had one scene where he was like charming around her and it said, he's just uncomfortable the entire time. Like, what am I supposed to, I feel like I'm missing something and I didn't take in this character like they wanted me to do. And I kind of blame Ezra, but maybe there's more to it than that. I don't know. Was there oh, obviously look, I, I mean, I, Look, I'm not a fan of Ezra Miller in this movie. Uh, they suck. As a, like as a person, yes, I know you are. I mean, as a person, yes. <laughs> but in this in this movie, <laughs> have you seen like the little the the clips where they there's like a scene where like you know when he saves the baby, he had put it in a microwave, and uh, you know when and then as at the does. end of the scene takes it out of the microwave. There have been so many like they've, that scene has been shared on social media. Played. I've in missed reverse. the memes. Oh. Yeah, the meme is that they just play the scene in reverse. So it looks like Ezra Miller is putting a baby in a microwave. <laughs> and, uh, you know, people are cutting in like the girl. People are cutting in like the girl screaming at the street oh, and all that. Like, you know, typical Ezra Miller reaction. Um, yeah, no, like, I mean, yeah, bad person. Sure. Um, also, really bad in this movie. Um, and part of that is, I don't know, like it's, it's tough to dissect what exactly went wrong because at so many points, so many things went wrong. Like you said, like, you know, there was multiple rewrites, apparently Ezra taking over the reins with Grant Morrison. And, and beyond that, like it's it, I'm not saying that this movie shouldn't have been comedic. Um, what I'm saying is it should have had like an idea, like it should have had something behind it beyond this is the most look at all the IP that we own, you know? Uh, and there isn't one, even that, like, again, like the limitations of the imagination here, it's not even like a showcase for IP in the same way as like, I don't know, like ready player one is even on that level. Even if you're just like, I want to see a lot of cool things happening. It doesn't even have that. You get like, you know, the justice league in this movie supposed to be like this grand christening of a new era. And instead it's two flashes Supergirl, who you met like 20 minutes ago, and Michael Keaton from 30 years ago, you know, it's so underwhelming and there's no focus here. And if it had been more comedic, that would have been cool. If it had actually tried to be weighty and important and grapple with the emotions of the, the these characters, that would have been something. Uh, instead, they kind of split the difference a thousand different ways. And the result is nothing feels real, you know? Nothing feels like anything. Yeah, you mentioned you mentioned Supergirl a couple times already. It seems like that that part of the movie, from what I've seen in the couple podcasts I've listened to and a couple things I've heard, that seems to be one part of the movie that people do kind of like. Uh, what? How? I feel like I feel like I've heard a couple that like I you know I feel why do they the, like the action leading up to it and the action when she like kind of wakes up? I guess awful. Okay. Awful, awful, awful. Uh, people have zero taste these days. This is the thing that upsets me the most, honestly, is that I walked out of this theater so sad. Like, I was genuinely depressed, right? And as I'm walking out, there was this woman there with, I guess, her father or maybe boyfriend, you know, who am I to judge? And she's like, oh, yeah, that was decent. I, I didn't hate that. And I was like, what the fuck do you... 
what the fuck do you people like want out of life? Yeah, as you be like, and again, you're entitled to your opinion, but like, I think people aren't gonna have as high of standard for action as you do. No, it's and... not just act. I'm, I'm talking about the movie just as a whole. Like, how can you have gotten left your house? gotten together with somebody right gone for a good time at the movie theaters sat through two and a half hours of this and then walked out and say oh that wasn't bad like <laughs> I, look and i try not to be this guy i try not to be the guy who's like you know every every movie is somebody's favorite movie right and that's a beautiful thing it's a beautiful thing that people can look at like these different works of art and pull something different from it that's meaningful to them the problem here is that this isn't art this is the death of art. This is the result of a business regime that had specific marks that they wanted to hit for their shareholders. And this, you know, was a relic of an older regime. And it had to come out because just that's just the nature of these sorts of things. There's no animating idea or purpose or perspective or goal or idea being explored. It is, it's shit. It's just, it's there to be consumed. And hopefully enough people consume it that we don't have to make this attack right off. But apparently we're going to have to mark this off as a loss. And that's all. That's the beating heart of this movie. It's there's nothing there. What's the best reason you can think of at this point that they uh, that they didn't give it the Batwoman treatment? It's too expensive. Okay. Um, like, you know, you invest. I think Batwoman was only, already... Yeah, Batwoman was like only like 100 million. This is probably three times. I, that. Yeah, I think it was below. I think it might have been like 70, I think okay. 90 million. And they hadn't done any advertising or anything like that. And, you know, there had been no setup to begin with. Like this was this was an investment. Um, I, I hate to say um, it, I was like holding out. It's like, I guess I was thinking it must be kind of good if they didn't give it the Batwoman treatment. And that was, that was like what I was holding out for. Right. Yeah. And uh, well, <laughs> you when you combine well, when you combine the, the potential for the tax write off with the Ezra stuff, I'm like, they're not shelving it with those two things combined like. It has to be good. That has to be why. And it's like, now they were just hoping that people would like mindlessly go see it. Like the $800 million worth of people that saw like the Justice League movie, I guess, you know? And, and yeah, you and I were the two of the dummies that actually did turn I actually, up. Oh, I was about to say, I guess they still get money for it anyway. This is the first movie I saw with my new movie pass, uh, hey. which I'm which I'm feeling less and less optimistic about getting my money's worth thrown, but that's for another, that's a story for another day. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so I guess they still did get some money from movie pass, even if it wasn't straight from my pocket, I suppose. God, like I said, the, the endings didn't really leave much of an impression on me. Uh, like we, they, he travels into that multiverse like three different times and sees stuff, and they see different versions of the different worlds going on around them. It's all ugly, I and really also there's like a villain. There's like a villain, and you're like, you know, there's this this weird specter haunting him, and it's like, oh, I wonder what that could possibly be. Anyone, anyone who has seen like any familiarity with like time travel shit knows what's going on here. Like you see it coming a mile away. The villain is like the younger Barry has turned old and, you know, he's trying just, to like I, find his way through the multiverse to do things and can't, but he's going to keep trying. Yeah. And like, I guess the ultimately, if there's any moral being put forth by this movie, which I think that implies like there's like an animating force behind it, which I don't want to give that impression. But the idea, I suppose, is like, you know, the the the, the trauma that shapes us makes us who we are and trying to run away from that is you know futile you can't fix the past you can't change the past all you can do is make do with what you have and appreciate what you, like that's if anything the idea even though it's choked to life by everything else right and then at the end of the movie he goes back in time allows his mother to be killed but 
gives like changes the past enough that there's evidence that his father didn't kill his mother. So guess what? You know, you can't change the past, except you kind of can. And uh, but then but, 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 but then but then Batman becomes George Clooney. And then Batman's George Clooney, which is the other moment that made me smile. Uh, gonna, that's that's I smile the only genuinely? Genuinely. Why? Look, I'm not because look, as much as I just railed against the death of culture, I'm I'm not immune to this. You, you know, like Batman and Robin enough that you're just like happy to see George. Absolutely. Absolutely. He is my Batman. Such a trash movie. But yes, okay. uh, he is my Batman. It's him and uh, the CGI facsimile of uh, Adam West that we saw, which, by the way, that was a very depressing sequence, wasn't it? Um, I was going to I was going to ask you your favorite CGI cameo was. Oh, God. It just, uh, the, you know, like they're in the multiverse and like it's like shattering and like it's just a bunch of fucking disembodied globes of light which are like just like hey we own this too hey we own this too hey you see that you remember that fucking uh script you know you got the nicholas cage reference right uh just that he was you know once supposed to play back superman it he, just didn't yeah. happen in yeah. a movie in a movie i think directed like tim by burton, tim yeah. burton yeah and the, yeah. <laughs> they, they he's fight what i love is that he's fighting a giant spider which apparently was mandated by two kevin smith in the script that by the producer guy Wait, oh, uh, so like, Kevin Smith was going to write the one Tim Burton was going to direct? Yeah, he had, he, I believe he I, had I, written this. I, I forgot about that. I did hear that, and I just forgot that Kevin Smith was going to write one. Yeah, I think he did write it. And oh. like it was mandated by the producer, uh, who's the guy from uh, Licorice Pizza. Uh, that guy, he had an obsession with like giant spiders in movies. Mm-hmm. And so he mandated a giant spider, which is why you see Superman fighting a giant spider. And uh yeah. And, you know, it's just it's soulless. Like, I mean, seeing Christopher Reeves like, look, it's not the worst thing they could have done. Right. They could have had something much more disrespectful and, you know, a more an abomination to like the idea of, you know, art and humanity and all that. Instead, it was just like five seconds of like a CGI Christopher Reeves. But uh, still depressing, still a harbinger for worse things to come. And yeah, just an ugly thing to I'm looking forward see. to them uh, reincarnating Heath Ledger's Joker in the next Batman movie. Oh my by, God, you by, know by that AI. they must have had a conversation about that. I know for a fact, like I am sure if we get Fast X2 or whatever, we're getting Paul Walker. Uh, Paul Walker's returning in the next I mean, as you, as you sure. heard me say in that podcast, my problem is like, it doesn't make sense for him not to be there. They should have just killed him off. It's like his wife is coming to the rescue, but he's just like, nah, I'm good. I'm going to throw my wife into danger. Like at this point, they may as fucking well. It'd make more sense for the story tone. Um, yeah. I don't know. Um, you know. Anything else about uh, the flash we didn't already touch on that you wanted to get to? I mean, I don't, I, I feel like we didn't really like dive that deep in any one area, but like, I, well, I, I should note that like on the, cause I get, I guess the Supergirl stuff is like kind of a little bit of a big deal. Um, in so, in so much is as it? like, because you're not going to see her again. Are we sure? Yeah. Um, you know, like, I mean, the the whole DC slate. Actually, no, I take that back. There is going to be a Supergirl movie. Not with her. This is her one chance. Sasha yeah, it's Kaya. like super. It's like Supergirl, like World of Tomorrow or something like that. Supergirl played by uh, Sasha Kaya in this movie. Uh, literally are only on screen credits before this. were like being on the young and the restless uh, soap opera. So, like, I, I mean, good level up for her. Did she gets to do this, I guess. And maybe it'll lead to other is things. It though? Is it, though? Like, because it's not like she, does she impress you in this movie? Honestly, yeah, yeah, um, yeah exactly. I'm not even blaming her. Like, I like mean, when, when you've she only do? ever been on a soap opera, like, I think it's probably worth it as opposed to a lot of these other people that didn't have to do this. Yeah, like, what, what is she, what is there for her to do? 
Like, you know, like she she shows up and it's like, uh, I'm not Kal-El. I was supposed to, I'm I was supposed to protect Kal-El and Zod killed him yeah. and now I want to kill Zod. And and then she dies. Like and like it's meant to be like again an emotional scene, but it's laughable because we don't know who this fucker is. Um and like and also I'm looking on Letterboxd, she's second build. Um that's why yeah, that was strange, yeah. Yeah. But um and, and like I, I don't know. You said that like people were commending the action. I heard like, that. Like, I mean, I I did think that sequence was like better than other action in the movie. I found it more. I mean, comprehensible. Yeah, I mean, what a what a low bar. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. What a low bar. And like again, digital fake fucking like bouncing around. It looks like a PS2 game. Like, and I'm done. I'm done with like the weightless CG doubles. Like, you can make good CG action with like a completely fake environment. I mean, Avatar just came out. It just came out. That's what that's what I said on the on our Little Mermaid podcast. It's like God, they wrote a rough break for those people. Like they they they, they didn't have Big Jim's uh, stewardship in these <laughs> shows, you know. Yeah, and like you know, again, like you know, to be fair to the visual effects people, they're 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 working in like sweatshop conditions. Like mm-hmm. I, there's a reason that shout like, out Elijah. Yeah, shout out to our man Elijah. Uh, working in the post-production world. Uh, and I think that the visual effects artists have it even, even worse, you know? Uh, so I get it, but like, I mean, it, it begs the question, why make something like this? If like, all you're going to do is create some kind of ugly monstrosity like this. And the reason is that these aren't, I mean, yeah, I, you know, I resisted it back at the time. Sorry, Scorsese. Yeah, these aren't movies. These aren't, this isn't cinema. It's just products uh and it could be that's the thing i want to stress that these could be good these they i think in the past even have been good in spite of like the kind of corporate pressure but we've reached a point where like it's kind of just starting to i think collapse in on itself and i think there are some people out there celebrating like the possible death of the superhero movie and i think those people they're naive that they think that's gonna happen they're all no. I actually do think that that's going to happen. I think we are seeing it this year. Uh, the only successes have been Guardians of the Galaxy three and Spider Verse two, both of which are like sequels, direct sequels to very critically lauded films. The others have not gained traction. What we have left in the year is what Blue Beetle, which granted, I'll admit that I mean, uh, JJ Perry is doing second unit on that movie, so mm. that has me intrigued. Um, but you know, Blue Beetle's coming out, right? And then uh, the Marvels, you know, the one that's like a team up between the superhero nobody liked and two superheroes from the Disney Plus TV shows, one of which wasn't even the star. Yeah, that's gonna bring back the superhero movie. <laughs> and uh, you've got uh, White Panther, uh, or I'm sorry, uh, Craven the Hunter, and uh, <laughs> you've got <laughs> then you've got Aquaman two, a movie which I think the director has already disavowed. What? So uh, I think I think I remember seeing something about James Wan saying that, like, yeah, that one's not going to be that great. So, um, you know, like, I think we are seeing kind of the death of it. You know, DC has restructured itself for like the fifth time or something like that. Marvel, like, you know, most of their productions have stalled due to the strike. I mean, I don't think we're getting that Blade movie. Yeah, I, I poor, poor Marshall. I mean, like, I just I. I I don't know if there's ever I mean if they had gotten the right people maybe that would have been good but I just enjoyed the story about how he just like said I want t- told Kevin Feige I want to do this and then I don't uh, well yeah uh, I mean if you believe it uh, sh- sure that that could have been embellished I guess 
I, I, I don't believe that. I believe that about as much as Tom Cruise saying that like The Flash is like the best movie that he's ever seen in his life. Don't believe it. But okay. like my point here is that the superhero, I think it is starting to employ it on itself, as certainly the multiverse concept, right? Mm. And good. I and here, well, here's the thing. People say good. And I think that that is wrongheaded because what what, what replaces this is not going to be any better. The problem with the multiverse is not inherent. There's not any, there have been good stories that deal with alternate universes and shit like that. It's just that you can't do that if your intent is to just trot out the different IPs that you have. There has to be some kind of animating idea behind it. You have to be exploring something. You have to have good characters, you know, and, and these movies are failing that. And I don't think that's going to change when they move on to, I don't know, video game movies, when they start going through, like, I don't know what Hasbro owns. You know, we're going to get the fucking Transformers G.I. Joe crossover film uh, in a couple years. And, uh, it's going to be shit too. Uh, we're getting a Legend of Zelda game, uh, or I'm sorry, a Legend of Zelda movie. That's going to be a piece of shit. They're all going to be bad because the intent is not to make something good. It used to be, and look, I'm not saying that like, I don't know, people sometimes talk a little too like with rose tinted glasses about the good old days of studio filmmaking. They always were out to make a buck. There were always sort of compromises, but it used to be there was like a push pull dynamic, right? And these days it is just like, I mean, and, and with the rise of AI, I think we're going to see it even get even worse. It's just these people at the top saying, make this thing and uh, make it exactly as we need it to be to hit all these markers for our stockholders and for the focus groups. And if you don't do it like this, we'll just get some other fucking hack that will do exactly what we need to. And uh yeah, it's it's sad. It's depressing. I walked out of this theater. I called every single person that I know in this city uh, to see if anybody was free to hang out and everybody was predisposed. I went to Quan Chuan Lu Garden where we've actually dined before. It was packed full of people laughing and, you know, being with each other and drinking merrily. And I was looking at this kind of spectacle and feeling so alone, so alone oh, after the sad. thing that I had to sit through. And uh I, I just had had a couple beers and just sat quietly with myself. Just did just you order depressed. some good Asian food? Or you just drink there. Uh, you know the food was good. I always get that cumin lamb. You know, and I mean that's the that's the best part of the experience of seeing the Flash <laughs> eating a lonely dinner afterwards and lamenting the the fall of civilization. That's your fault. Well, what what night? What day of the week did you see it on? Uh, Monday. That's why I mean you should have planned it. You should have planned it out better. You're, you're expecting someone to be able to hang out with you like at night on a Monday on no notice. <laughs> yeah, and- you know what? Fair enough. But the I did not expect to walk out of this movie so distraught. So fair enough. Any uh, any other final thoughts though on the Flash, Daniel? You know I didn't like it. Oh, I didn't I, like I, it. I, I, I don't wait, think what? I, I didn't. What? I didn't. I didn't think it was very good. Journal boy, I did. So I, I'll reiterate again that like I actually do see a movie, a version of this which I would have liked, but when it gets Frankenstein to bits like this, it's just gonna, it's 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 just too much of an ass for that to ever happen. Did you ever see the Flash TV show? I don't, I uh, don't believe so. No. Yeah, it was like a CW show. It yeah. was cheap. It was kind of, you know, that was fun. The first two seasons, at least, were fun. It was a little adventure thing. He hung out with his little friends. It was kind of soapy. It was kind of campy. And, uh, you know, they even did like this time traveling to save his mom arc. They had this in the show mm. and it was it was better and it wasn't great, but it was better than this. Um, 
it was more certainly more, like there was a consistency in tone and in vision and uh yeah like and when i'm commending the cw superhero show that lasted like you know i mean it lasted like 10 seasons i only watched like the first two but when i'm commending that in comparison to like this project that's meant to be like the linchpin of this franchise like oh god mm. i feel dirty I feel dirty having spent so much time and energy thinking about this movie. Well, you you asked for it, so I I I, I did not pressure you to do this. I said <laughs> you're like, what am I going to do Look, next? And I'm like, I don't have anyone for Flash. You're like, I would want to do Flash. So I don't want anyone yeah. thinking I pressured Daniel to do this because I couldn't get anyone else to do it. Look, Could I'm a, I'm just a, I'm just a trooper. That's what I am. Okay. I'm a, I'm a, just a soldier in the Rewind Army, right, and okay. I was called into service, and uh, I I happily accepted. Yeah, you, but and, I didn't you, realize... you 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 voluntarily enlisted. Yes, I voluntarily enlisted, but I didn't know what I was getting myself into. I was very much, I was very much like those kids in uh, All Quiet on the Western Front. <laughs> uh, that was kind of the experience of watching this. Sure. Okay. Uh, Daniel, uh, before we wrap up, anything else good you've watched recently you would like to direct the listeners to? Well, funnily enough, right after I saw this, I was like, "Am I going to watch another movie for like weeks? Like, am I burnt out on this?" this thing maybe maybe this thing is so ugly it's gotten so putrid that i just need to find something else to do with my time uh i read a couple chapters of tinker taylor soldiers by the john lacar novel okay. and i was enjoying it you know but then i decided you know if i don't watch something really good uh something real uh i'm going to get like a funk i'm gonna get in a funk i'm not gonna watch any movies for a while so i turned on uh the you know, famous uh, 1948 film Bicycle Thieves, hmm. uh, the Italian film from uh, Vittorio De Sica. And it's just a guy who like, you know, he he gets a job opportunity, but he needs his bike. needs a bicycle to do it. And then on his first day, it gets stolen. And then it's just him and his son going around the city of Rome trying to find this bicycle. It was an early example of the neorealist movement that took hold in Italy. It just kind of getting into the rhythm of people's daily lives, daily existences, especially the lives of like, you know, the poor and the downtrodden. And, uh, you know, fuck, this is exactly what I needed. Movies, they're good, actually. Uh, there's a moment in this, the movie that really just moved me to tears where uh, after like a particularly harried section of the film where like they're just going around this black market trying to find the bike and they're not coming up on it and the dad is feeling so like aggrieved and the son doesn't know what's really going on but he you know loves his dad and he's there for him and it starts to rain and suddenly everybody flees the middle of the street and they go under all the awnings in the area and they everyone just takes shelter and everyone is just there existing in that place in that time together and, you know, as as harried and as, you know, disheveled as this man is, as worried as he is about what he's going to do with his first family and this, like, he just has to stop and take a beat with all the other people in this city because they all live in this community. They all are having this shared experience. And I don't know, seeing something so tangibly real, like after seeing this fucking travesty <laughs> that was uh, The Flash. I mean, it, it just, it, it really made, it made me weep. So uh, this is kind of the power of cinema. This is what I, I love to see. Uh, and, you know, I'm back in it. Like th this is a good art form. There is goodness here. And, you know, it still gets made today, but you just gotta, you just gotta dig for it. And, you know, you gotta go away from like these sort of 
multiplex blockbuster fucking rehashing IP uh, trash. Also, I want to give a shout out to uh, The Badge, The Bible, and Bigfoot, uh, which was a lot of fun for entirely different reasons. You're going to say they need to move away from multiverse stories. And I was going to be like, all right, now you sell the light. Uh, <laughs> one recommendation I'll make today, because I started watching it on my trip last weekend uh, to Omaha, was uh, Netflix's The Diplomat. Uh, and if you see anything about this, Daniel, uh, I've heard of it. Yeah, I saw the trailer. Stars Carrie Russell, who you know you might know from the Americans or Felicity as a as someone that's newly appointed as the U.S. ambassador to London. Though she had thought she was going to get the same position in Kabul, which you know it might sound more fun to live in London than Kabul. But if you're a career foreign service person that wants to be taken seriously, you'd rather be dealing with the stuff going on in Kabul than like what might be a cushy, cushy, you know, uh, figurehead type, more of a figurehead. Uh, type position in london though like there's a terrorist attack kind of or a foreign foreign attack and on some london ships so that creates a need to have someone that's competent there little does she know that the president's cabinet is like kind of positioned her there as like an audition to be vice president they haven't told her that and it's seeing her be competent at her job while kind of dealing with the expectations of those around her and it's like really exciting i'd i i, I had um I, th- I thought I had heard somewhere that it had been like compared to The Honorable Woman, uh, which is another Netflix show involving Maggie Gyllenhaal as a diplomat at some point that came out like several years ago that I could never get into. So I was like kind of like am eh, on it and starting it. And I was two months late to The Diplomat, but I needed something to download onto my iPad to watch on a plane. And it is like a really fun show for like a show where there's really not much action. It's just watching these like, you know, bureaucrats, diplomats middle mid middle government people interacting with you know secretaries of state and uh folks like that and cia um liaisons and just that kind of world and and that kind of uh those kind of problems that get dealt with at that level and seeing these people just kind of hash them out carrie russell is unsurprisingly great in it but it's which i i I would have thought even if i didn't like the show but the show is just like it moves really well and it's uh, really, really actually entertaining and uh, very watchable. And I would highly recommend it. It already got renewed for a second season, but the first season's only eight episodes. I've seen five. Uh, Daniel, before we get out of here, uh, people can find you on Letterboxd at Felonious Funk, correct? Correct. Uh, as usual, I'm Josh Chernovoy, J-O-S-H-J-U-R-N-O-V-O-Y. I'm both Twitter and Letterboxd. Podcast emails at Real Movie Pod. Podcast Twitter is Real Movie Pod at, or excuse me, podcast email is Real Movie Pod at gmail.com. Podcast Twitter is at Real Movie Pod. Coming up next on the podcast, Uh, We'll have an episode with our friend Joe, Pixar correspondent on Elemental. So everyone stay tuned for that and we'll see you next time.